Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks for joining us here for episode 461 with Eric Fisher. I think you'll dig this conversation because I've heard frequently things can get tricky in terms of dealing with all of the stuff coming at you from so many directions. How do you be efficient, productive, and effective to get it done, manage distractions, and keep your sanity? Well, Eric tackles a bit of all of that. So you'll learn one, tricks to reduce your smartphone dependency, two, the small habits that create big results, and three, why it's okay not to get things done. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items we've referenced, it's over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F461. Now here's Eric's story. Eric is a productivity author, podcaster, speaker, and coach. He talks with real people who practically implement productivity strategies in their professional and personal lives. If you check out his stuff, you'll discover you are refreshed and inspired after hearing how others fail and succeed at daily productivity and continue to lead successful and meaningful lives. Thanks to Eric for hanging out with us and thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome? And with a fresh year, perhaps you're like many small business owners looking for some fresh insight and talent to make 2024 extra amazing. Well, LinkedIn Jobs has created tremendous tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and free. I love how they make it so easy with their promotion and selection tools. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. No, no. No. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Here's some fun facts. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours, and small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash awesome. That's linkedin.com slash B-E-A-W-E-S-O-M-E, as in you are being awesome, be awesome, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. And now, here's Eric. Eric, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm super excited to dig back into the goods. And, and I want to hear, you know, it's been a couple years. What have you learned about productivity in that time? Or is there anything new you've picked up or anything you've decided you've abandoned? Like, hey, as an, on second thought, I don't like that idea anymore. Oh my gosh. The, things change. And yet at the same time as things changing, they stay the same. One of the key things for me is, I don't know if you've noticed this, but there's a lot of people who've come out with say like daily or, you know, weekly analog, meaning handwriting, uh, type planners, chucking the, the digital system, if you will. And for the most part, I like that idea. I like working in analog. There's there's something very satisfying to that. A friend of mine, he's like, hey, I have a digital planner and I use my Apple Pencil in it. And I'm like, okay, cheater. But uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> for the most part, I have still stayed uh, digital in terms of my list and my projects and things like that. But I have gone to almost completely uh, 100% paper books. Oh, interesting. So no Kindles or e-readers of any sort. Now, I have the ability to do it, and I will still look at articles. Like I, I do have an iPad, the, the latest version, the 11-inch, the Pro, and I really like it. I use it for content consumption, and you know, I don't turn it and use it like a laptop or anything like that. It's mostly like I like that it's not 
a desktop or a laptop or a phone. And by leaning into using it that way as a a tablet, a digital window interface, whatever, to all my documents and things like that, whether it's work-related or, uh, you know, consumption-related, reading articles, I lean heavily into that. And then by doing that, I feel like that that ease of use of using it as a, a multi-purpose tool like that, I then don't spend as much time on my phone. And because if we're constantly have that thing on us with all that stuff with us at all times, we feel like we have to use it all the time. And I've been trying really hard to get my time spent on phone down because the majority of the time that I'm spending on it, I found was very unintentional passive use that was just eating into my time. Now, that's intriguing right there. So you've made a conscientious effort to reduce time on phone, and you've seen some positive results in, in doing so. Could you maybe quantify that a little bit for us in terms of where were you before and where are you now? And did you do anything else that made a real big difference in, in helping with that initiative? Yeah. So uh, a friend of mine also was noticing this, and not only that, but you know, having read uh, Cal Newport's most recent book that he came out with, Digital Minimalism. Mm-hmm. And talking with him for my show, we both said, hey, you know what? What if we went for like, uh, so, so the period of Lent comes up, you know, and we, and we decided to say, well, what if we just like, we can't quit our phone and not have it on us. But what if we quit using our phone for every little thing and just see what we can get away with? So we sat down together and we started cataloging all the different apps. It was like, it was kind of a challenge between the two of us to see how many we could offload or delete and what was the bare minimum of installed and active apps we could have on our phone and how far we could get uh, with doing that. And it was amazing because after having done that, I have an iPhone. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the iPhone ability to offload an app. It means that you can remove an app. The app will stay there and your credentials, and you'll be logged in and all that. But you have to click the download button again, and it then fills in the hollow shell of an app that is sitting there uh, with all the content again. So you can't, effectively, you can't use it without re-downloading the app, which is like a safeguard or a boundary from you using the app again. So... Oh, so, so it'll keep all the info that you've stored about your login or your, your historical data, but it's not kind of taken up any space. And it's a little harder to get to because you got to spend that time to redownload it. That's exactly right. So effectively, yes, the, I mean, the, the shell of the app is there. The inside of the app is not there, except for, again, that, that it maintains all the logins and things like that. So we went through that and uh, we checked in with each other about three days in and we said, you know, how much time are you using? I mean, we I was like not even carrying my phone with me at that point. I was I had my Apple Watch on me. You know, and I would respond to a text or two through that and, you know, phone calls. I would still do those. Do people still do phone calls? Yes, they do. Uh, is the thing that I always hear people. But say, text me you? first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, I just noticed that suddenly I wasn't reaching for it every five to ten minutes to check something or look something up, etc. And that's not to say I wasn't allowed to look something up somewhere, like on a desktop or even on my iPad. but. I wasn't allowed to do it on my phone. And by breaking the phone being on me and ever present and always able to be dove into as this dark 
pool of information that I could always access. You just don't understand. Like when you have that on you at all times and you can always jump in, then you constantly will. And because you constantly will, then you will even when you do or don't want to. And so it's really about cutting way back to the point where then think of it as a digital diet metaphor for a physical diet. It's like you can enjoy the stuff that is bad for you on occasion as long as you're not eating it constantly all day, every day, which is what we are doing digitally. Yeah. Well said. I like that. And what was so cool is is you made it sort of like a challenge and you had some accountability there, a a buddy, and, and you sort of reframed, I guess, what, uh, what triggers your reward centers in your brain. It's not like I am so powerful because I have so many apps that could do anything, but rather it's like, all right, let's just see how, how disciplined uh, I can be and how, how winning is now reducing apps (laughs) instead of, of having more apps and feeling powerful as a result of having those apps. Yes, exactly. And then, of course, the time period was over when we could add apps back on. And honestly, it was like, well, wait a second. I just never came back. There were months later where I would suddenly like be looking for an app on my phone. I'm like, wait, didn't I have that app? And I realized I had never put it back on and it had been months since I'd last used it. So why was it on there? Oh, just in case. Yeah. And that slows you down too. Like, like the actual, I, I don't know a ton about how all these hardware devices work, but it seems like in my experience, generally speaking, the more stuff you have installed, the slower things run. Is that fair to say for the phone as well with the number of apps? Potentially. I think Apple would say, no, no, there's nothing different right there. <laughs> it's buy the biggest one and install as many apps as you can. There's an app for everything. I don't know. I, I would say, here's the thing. That means that you have subconsciously maybe a need to organize all those apps in different places so you know where they are and have the ability to use them quickly. But uh, yeah, so in other words, it's digital clutter on your phone that you then have to deal with, which is also taking up time and mental RAM. So all in all, I came out the other end and I started using my phone a whole lot less. And even to this day, you know, I use it more. But I think I cut way back and, you know, it's a it's again, I need to do a revisit, not maybe as drastic or strategic. But but again, one of the things that I was doing was there were certain apps like the weather app where I realized, you know what, I can offload it on my phone, but I can literally lift my wrist on my watch and the weather's right there. And so it's different. It's a different feeling. In other words, it's a different meeting of a need. In other words, that's the thing I think. I'm trying to get at here is that you have to be careful about how you're meeting certain needs because then you start to rationalize everything as a need. Well, yeah, it feels like that was a big, that's a big lesson that could be applied to a lot of things. Yeah. So, I mean, you can rationalize doing your email on your phone and some people are like, wait, what's wrong with that? And I'm like, dude, you have no idea doing email on your phone can become this thing where you're always doing email on your phone in, and then switching over to, oh, you're texting, switching over to listening to a podcast, switching over to, and do you see what I'm saying? Like switching over, switching it, like you are sitting there hunched over <laughs> with a horrible posture and or walking and talking and doing some, I mean, you are tricking yourself with that phone into thinking you can multitask. And again, you can't, you're just task switching and you're mm-hmm. bifurcating and fragmenting your attention. And, and actually that was the biggest thing right there was just this calm 
sense of I don't have to reach for anything on that phone because there's nothing there I am missing out on at this moment. Unless it ran, yes. of course. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful in terms of describing that that feeling and that transformation and, and how that unfolds. So so that's cool. Well, hey, uh, that's what you've learned recently and uh, appreciate you sharing it. You know, last time we talked a lot about energy management being key to productivity. And, and so I want to cover some uh, other pieces of productivity goodies from you this time. We did a big listener survey and a lot of folks were bringing up distractions, Yeah, whether that's internally from you're tempted to go do email or check your phone or whatever, or externally in terms of folks dropping by our desk saying, hey, Eric, uh, you got a minute or, you know, or, or whatever. So I'd love to get your take in terms of what have you found in your own experience and from interviewing so many people are really the best practices for maintaining clarity and focus. So I'll refer you back to what we just talked about as being a huge factor in that first and foremost is managing that phone yeah managing the phone and as well as what the phone is doing to you because if you feel like you need to reach for your phone when you're sitting at your desk constantly then you are effectively training yourself that it is okay to pick it up over and over and over and interrupt yourself let alone weaken your ability to deal with any of the other stuff that are thrown at you from external so mm, well said so you're actually harming yourself. You're weakening your capacity to resist uh, distraction because you are continually giving in. That's exactly right. Like if, yeah. if at any moment you ever feel slightly bored, like my kids are saying, or <laughs> hungry or whatever, and you decide to go do something mindless or go walk into the kitchen just and, and open the refrigerator. It's like opening the refrigerator door. It's like if you train yourself that that's okay versus having something prepared that you know is your quote snack for the day, then there you go. Like then you're going to go pull out. I don't know, you know, fill in blank here of what you should not be having as a snack, you know? So the more you train yourself to go the opposite direction of the way you should go in terms of your habits, you just find it easy to get distracted. So first and foremost, that's number one uh, with the phone because it's it's tied in to that. Then number two, in terms of distractions, gosh, there's a couple of different things that I have found that really, really help. I don't know if I mentioned the system, the, the audio system that I use last time that helps with uh, eliminating distractions. Is this the focus at will? It is focus at will. Well, I have changed. I have okay, there we go. Now, don't get me wrong. I have a lifetime membership to Focus at Will, but I'm not using it. Uh, I found one that I like better, and it's because it does multiple things. It's not just focusing yourself. It can also, it has to do with brainwaves and the, the sound of the, quote, music or the composed. <laughs> quote music. <laughs> Strong praise. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah, because technically it's not music. It's uh it's sound, sound. composition, right? And so that's the thing. But it's that said, it's still you don't get into a like, oh man, I love this song kind of moment because of listening to it. And if you did, then it wouldn't be working because it would be distracting you because you'd be like, oh man, I love this song. It's called Brain.fm. Okay, it can do all of the stuff we talk about that Focus at Will can do. It it eliminates the blinders. All right, sorry, it, should, it puts up the blinders, so your fight-and-flight mechanism kind of gets lulled into sleep. It, it, essentially, it's, ba it's backed by science. It gets you to a place where your brain waves are in position to hold focus stronger and longer 
when you're doing work. And not only that, though, it can also be used for meditation or calming yourself down or even sleep. So you can listen to it, take a nap and get a better sleep slash nap by using it. And by having that extra stuff and having it, I mean, again, not talking bad about focus at will, but uh, brain.fm was and leaps and bounds ahead of them when I found them almost a year ago that uh, I, I signed up immediately. And in fact, they gave me like codes to let people, not a code, but a link to let people get like 20% off for their whole first year. And people have been loving jumping on it. So are you allowed to, are you able to share this in a public forum? Okay. Yes, I can. <laughs> you can't do this to us, Eric. <laughs> I gave it a pretty link so that it would be easier for people. So it's beyond the to-do list.com slash brain FM. Okay, cool. Well, that's intriguing. I mean, I, I love... You've well, used Focused at Will before. I, I have used it, and, and I appreciated what they had, but I, I also had kind of found a um, a Focus playlist I created, and I thought, you know, in a way, it was almost because my Focus playlist had gotten so many kind of repetitions of, of oh, hey, it's time to focus. I listen to the Focus music, and I focus, that it, you know, it's kind of like ritualized and accelerated the process of having a, a sound focus me. So... That's kind of why, you know, in my particular instance, the the focus at will almost had an uphill battle against an incumbent. But what you're saying here is, hey, brain.fm does more than just that. And uh, well, if, if we're talking about me for a second with rituals and, and focus, like I enjoy because, you know, I've got, you know, I got two kids under two. I got a home office in an enclosed porch. So I upgraded it to get a real nice sound blocking door. But sometimes it doesn't block enough <laughs> sound so i like to put in earplugs plus uh bose noise canceling headphones plus either the the focus playlist or we had a previous guest who talked about um she listens to star trek the next generation engine idling noise as <laughs> white noise <laughs> so i found that and i use that sometimes and so so that's been the groove so far but i'm intrigued by brain.fm for that context as well as you know hey the the power napping and and more yeah so i can tell you one thing about the napping as well as even the the overnight sleep which that's a, a little bit tricky to do but i figured that out it's i mean basically you put it on as an app and then it allows you to download an evening of brain.fm sleep alpha wave patterns. Oh, I know where I was going. I was like, where was I going with this? When I talked to the guy that's the head of it uh, on my show, I told him, I go to sleep listening to music. Always have since about junior high. He said, and I said, it helps me fall asleep faster. Now, why is this different? And he says, well, number one, you listening to music as you go to sleep is a ritual. So it's triggering your brain as you lay down in bed that it's time to go to bed. And so you're still going to find that this has that power to it because you're still going kind of through the ritual. However, the difference between brain.fm and listening to regular music is that this is going to get your brain waves into where you want them to go, which is deeper sleep faster and then keep them there because of the way that the, again, I'll use the word music, the way that it plays and it works and it keeps you calm and all that. Now, the other thing that I have found is me putting on my Bose noise canceling headphones, even if no one's home and turning it to the meditation or the calming setting and doing, you know, 15 minutes of even if I'm just sitting in my desk at my desk in my desk chair, closed eyes or not, and just kind of breathing, it gets quote, gets you there faster in terms of calming down and taking a break 
and being able to then jump back from that more refreshed. Cool. So there you go. So yeah, the uh, again, that link is uh, beyond the to-do list.com slash brain FM. That's, they gave me that link and said, Hey, if anybody, you know, if your listeners ever want to listen to the, they can try it out for free. And if they sign up, which it's not, expensive. Yeah, I, I thought it would be more. I, when I clicked pricing, I always make a guess before I actually click pricing, and it was well below my guess. <laughs> Brain.fm is cheaper than the one that I was using and I have for lifetime anyway, which is focus at will. Brain.fm is is cheaper, and I was just like, oh gosh, this is a no-brainer. So, But you can get 20% uh, off for right a year with that, easy. which is great. Well, very cool. All right. Well, well boy, you're, you're delivering the goods. So we're, we're talking about specific means by which you are maintaining clarity and focus. We talked about the uh, breaking of habits with phone and the reduction of, of apps and such. We got the Brain FM. Any other biggies? Let's see here. So I have one other one that's a secret weapon. I'd like to disclose. I will. I don't know if you've ever talked with Jamie Masters before. I know the name and the face. We've never talked. <laughs> so she... Yeah. She was on my show again recently. She and I did not plan on talking about this, but she shared this with me. She was doing these group mastermind things where she'd get people to come to like a, a big, a giant Airbnb somewhere, all these different leadership people and, and whatever. And they do these surveys afterwards and people would ask them, <laughs> she, she would ask the people, sorry, what were the things that stood out to you the most? And she embarrassingly shared with me that the thing they were talking to her about was that they would say Jamie's drugs. And she was like, what? And I was like, what are you talking about? And she says, well, because she would bring something called nootropics with her. Yes. So have you heard what this word is? I've heard of nootropics. I've been a little spooked uh, <laughs> to uh, ingest them myself. Yes. So here's the deal. Before she had no idea that I had already tried one. And so, and what I did was, and basically it's called alpha brain. And she was like, oh yeah, that's what, that's one of the best ones. And she said, here's the thing on Amazon, you can go to the reviews and it's, it's either this was amazing. It worked amazing for me, or this did nothing for me. And it's really based upon who you are in your brain chemistry and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I see they got even three stars out of over a thousand reviews, lovers and haters. Yeah. And so she said, here's the thing the the issue with that one is, is that it works great for some people and does nothing for others. And it's not inexpensive to get a hold of it to start with and, and try it out and everything. And I said, well, hold up. They actually sent me some for free to try. And then when it worked, because it did, uh, and I'll explain uh, what it felt like in a second. She said, oh, that's awesome. And I said, yeah, I, I even wrote the guy back and said, hey, could I have a little bit more <laughs> in, in true drug? Uh, you know, well, yeah. <laughs> first one's free. <laughs> so I was like, OK, can uh -huh. I have some more? And anyways, what it came down to is they had actually realized that if they could get it in the hands of the people to try out cheap, then people would actually notice that it worked or not for them. And then order more. And so uh, basically, I have a deal again on this one, too, uh, where people <laughs> can get it. They can get a bottle of it with like 14 pills of it. And even just taking one a day or even two a day is enough to see if it's going to affect you at all. And you pay like five bucks for the shipping and that's it. Well, so I'm intrigued. And I guess what's, what's kind of kept me out of this is like, is it addictive? Is it? dangerous is it you know and it's like and i thought <laughs> no and no okay 
here's how I'll explain it. So I was concerned with it. Let me first say this. Before they ever approached me and before Jamie and I ever had talked about it months ago, I saw in an Instagram story, Michael Hyatt holding the bottle and saying he was taking it and loving it. As something about Michael Hyatt, he's such a stand-up guy. It's like, if Michael Hyatt takes it, it must not be dirty. <laughs> I, that's exactly my take, too. And, uh, I, and I love him. And uh, so I took a screenshot of it and just forgot about it. And then months later, I was like, it kind of bubbled back up into my head. And I was like, yeah, I should probably check that out. I think it was only a matter of a few weeks later. Somehow, I assume maybe they found out by searching through the photos on my phone that I had looked at it or something. <laughs> I don't know. That's when they sent it to me. So my predisposition to it was Michael Hyatt. And he kind of clears the path for me on a lot of things, to be honest. And so I took two of them. There were like, I mean, there was like 14 of them in the, the small bottle. And I took two of them on a Thursday or like a, it was a Tuesday. And so Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of a very tough week, I was taking two of them in the morning, honestly, just without even thinking about it. And then I just never gave it any thought. But then I realized come Thursday late afternoon and then even Friday morning again, it occurred to me, do you realize you haven't felt like you needed to like crash and take a nap or have two or three extra cups of coffee these past few days? But you also don't feel like you are wired and jittery and whatever like you would have had if you'd taken those cups of coffee. And it's just not as much of an effort to like focus. And so to myself, I said, yes, you're right. I have seen that. I have noticed that. And that's exactly what it was. It wasn't some kind of, oh, my gosh, I drank five energy Red Bulls or something. It was just it was less. It, it was like, oh, this is the best way to put it. You know how if you've ever lost any significant amount of weight, you don't suddenly feel. But over time, you feel like you have so much more energy. It's kind of the equivalency of that with your brain. But after having lost like 10 or 20 pounds, your brain just feels like it's not weighed down as much. Well, that's intriguing. That's what it felt like. That's what it feels like. And so once they said, hey, here's this code in case anybody's interested, they can grab a bottle for free. They just pay shipping. I told two of my friends right away. I said, hey, not kidding you. I've tried this. <laughs> Check out this page. If you're interested, there you go. And... Uh, one of them was like, oh, my gosh, I'm now taking one in the morning and one in the afternoon. And he then said uh, this and he loves coffee, by the way. So he's still having it. But uh, he found that he was able to get so much more done over the course of the week than he was previously up to that point. So for him, it worked for the other one. It actually didn't. It mm -hmm. didn't really do much. So that was actually interesting to me to find out. Well, I'm encouraged to hear that um, it hasn't produced any dangers and it hasn't produced any addiction. Because there are days I don't take it. Okay. Well, well, that's nifty. Yeah. Well, hey, everyone be safe and do your research, but I'm taking a gander at it. I don't see anything terrifying on the Amazon page. <laughs> so, so yeah, what is this link? Oh, yeah. So, sorry, I didn't even think to, to give you that. So, it, again, I made it easy. It's beyondthetodolist.com slash alpha brain. All right. So there you go. Yeah, it's just, I mean, you can get it or not, and it's cheap. You just pay like five bucks. I mean, basically think of it this way. One cup of coffee at a Starbucks, and you might get uh, cost-wise, and you can see if this works for you. And if it does, again, you can kind of low-key take it, try it, whatever. And if it does something, great. For me and for some other people out there, it does a lot of good.
All right, cool. So we got the nootropics, we got the, the phone discipline, we got brain.fm, and the other things that uh, have been really key for you when it comes to keeping the clarity and focus on track. So this is the other big thing. And it, I mean, this, this is actually huge for me. And again, this is another thing that I kind of was, I was a believer in, but not a stickler about to a certain extent until I talked with Michael Hyatt about it. And it's sleep and napping. Yeah. I am, uh, <laughs> I, I'm a firm advocate of that. And I think we've got that point covered. <laughs> We'll just kind of add one more check mark of, of support from Eric Fisher on this one. I think you're there. And, and actually here, so, and I track it. Like I wear my, my Apple watch at night to uh, track my sleep. And I just know weeks and months where I'm in a better sleep groove, I am struggling less throughout the day. And again, to go back to the brain.fm thing, like I literally was able to see night and day uh, difference when it came to uh, getting more rest in my day, because it tracks even those naps, uh, my app does. So the more sleep I was getting, the more awake I was during the day, the better off I was. So there you go. That's great. That's great. Well, I guess, you know, I think sleeping and napping is is huge and, and important. And, you know, it takes time, but it's time well spent. Are there any like tiny things that just have huge leverage in terms of, hey, this takes less than five minutes a day, but when I do it, it's game changing versus when I don't. Yeah, I would say I call it passing the baton to my future self. So uh, I'm near the end of my day today. And instead of when you and I are done recording, jumping off and saying, OK, what's for dinner and walking out the door, like actually sitting and cleaning up my desk and arranging my uh, list of stuff. Now, again, I've already gone over what the list of stuff is for tomorrow on a weekly checklist kind of a basis on a, on a weekly review kind of thing, but doing a closing or a shutdown or again, passing the baton to my future self tomorrow morning, uh, that shutdown, that, that ritual is what's going to make tomorrow morning, even if I feel maybe out of sorts or say something happens and I don't get enough sleep and I'm, you know, struggling, I don't have to struggle as hard or as much. Okay. Uh, well, that sounds like a nice visual metaphor in that your your future self appreciates that. You've taken some time to uh, hook up future Eric <laughs> with uh, a nice environment to, to flourish. So that's awesome. Any other uh, quick yet high leverage things? Cutting stuff off the list. Amen. Oh, absolutely. It's the fastest way to shrink your to-do list is to decide not to do it. Uh, <laughs> or better yet, better said is decide not to do it now. Does the now mean you're going to do it later? You've decided now that you're not going to do it <laughs> ever. <laughs> it can be both, but I, I, I was referring more to when is the right time to do it so that you're not trying to overpack your days and your weeks. I dig. Cool. All right. Well, well, maybe we'll zoom out a little bit. So we, we, we kind of talked about some really super precise like tools or, or tactical things to do, but I'd love to hear kind of, you know, big picture. Well, you've been running beyond the to-do list for, is it seven years now? Yeah, we're basically at the seven-year mark. That's amazing. So, well, congratulations. And, and you were an inspiration for, for my podcast. And I was thinking, does anybody want to listen to this kind of stuff? Let's take a look around. Oh, hey, a good many of them do. And, uh, and Eric Fisher, beyond the to-do list, is one um, good example. So thank you. Uh, who knows if I hadn't found a couple of inspiring examples where we'd be. So thank you. 
And so, yeah, what are some themes that have come up again and again and again in terms of when people, they're, they're trying to be focused and productive and, and take care of what's really meaningful in, in their work and lives? What are kind of those foundational principles that pop up repeatedly? Well, I kind of alluded to it a little bit just a moment ago with taking things off the list, as well as kind of paring back and simplifying again the use of the phone. And I don't want to go back into those things per se, but it's just this idea that I think we have the wrong perspective when it comes to productivity. We think that, and I even had a conversation with, oh, I'm blanking on his name, Mike Sturm, that's it, a couple of months ago, the idea between what's the difference between the word efficiency and productivity. And there was even another word, I forget what it was, but anyways. Effectiveness? That is it. I feel like you've listened to that episode. I'm spying on you everywhere. <laughs> so, and it was a real productivity, whatever, geek out moment for me to have that conversation with him because there's different meanings to those three words and they're all good in themselves and they all, all kind of fold in on each other. And it was just this, it kind of made me, I mean, it really made me think, I should say, not kind of made me think, it really made me think. And it was just like, you know what, in the end, it's what are you trying to do? How much of it are you trying to get done? How much is enough even? And what's overkill? Like, you know, burnout and all that. Like, again, we could go back to the whole sleep thing and whatever, but I don't, we don't need to go there. It's this idea that Parkinson's law where work will expand to fill the time allotted. And so if we can figure out how to more efficiently or f more fastly, which is not a word, get the work done to where it we're, we're kind of breaking that law. We're saying, hey, I'm going to get this work done faster than I allow for it to be done. Then suddenly you freed up this time. Then you have this question. <laughs> which uh, recently I was talking with the get it done guy, Steve Robbins. In fact, that's I, so I think, one of my most recent episodes. And he was like, look, if you're sitting in a cubicle and you're really good at getting your work done, and then they notice you're really good at getting your work done. And then they suddenly say, well, wait a second. We either haven't been giving him enough work to do, or they're not going to give you the raise. Let, let's just put it that way. <laughs> they're not going to go and give you a raise. What they're going to do instead is say, we aren't giving you enough work to do because you got it all done already. And I've been in that position, by the way. I've been the person who hacked his cubicle and figured out how to get everything that I needed to get done and then some and run rings around my coworkers and yet get paid no more than them and have all this free time to play video games in my cubicle. <laughs> more than a decade to 15 years ago now. I'm kind of half ecstatic about how I figured out how to do that and half ashamed. But that said... You see where I'm going with this. If you are working for yourself, you then suddenly have this quandary where if you're getting things done faster and you're getting them all done, you can either start to wander into what else can I be doing and add on to that and fill my day even more, which again, it's attractive to a lot of people. It's like, how much more stuff can I get done because I got the stuff that I was already used to getting done already done, but faster, you start to wander, though, into this place of unintentional burnout or unintentional status quo, kind of like with the phone, as I was talking about earlier, you use it originally for a few good things, and then it becomes the thing you use for all the things. And then you have booked yourself solid to where you got five meetings a day and 12 podcasts to record and 
29 blog posts to write and or videos to record or not to mention all the different Instagram stories and social media things you could be doing. And it's like, hold up. Which are the things that are the most what was the third word? It wasn't productivity and it wasn't effectiveness. Effective. So it, it's then towards what effectiveness are you headed towards? What intentionality are you trying to get to end of the day, end of the week, end of the quarter? Actually, this is one of the biggest things since we talked is I've been in a mastermind and we go by the 12 week year. And essentially what that means is instead of 12 months in a year, there's 12 weeks in a quarter. And we just kind of compress a year and we say, okay, for this next sprint of three months, what is it that we want to accomplish? Like, for example, working on a book or something like that. And how far can we get? Yeah. And what I like about that is you call it a 12 week sprint and there's, you know, four 12 week periods yields 48 weeks, leaving four weeks for you to kind of relax a little bit between these sprints. Yes, exactly. There's actually more weeks in a year than the 12 times four. So you get a little bit of breathing room in there to recalibrate, et cetera. But yeah, that has been kind of the, I don't know, the analyze everything, the hold up, don't add something new in. You know, there's a lot of people out there. It's like, you got to quit something to then start something. That's great and all. But also, what if we just quit something to quit something? What if we just eliminated things on the to-do list? What if we just said, this is great to do, but it's not yielding a lot. So let's just stop doing it altogether and not replace mm -hmm. it with something else. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, and I appreciate it. And well, and I guess my, my final question was going to be, you know, what have been some of the most transformational guests and ideas you've come across? And it sounds like you've, you've already shared a few, but, um, if anything's missing, uh, now's your chance. Let her rip. All right. So let's see. So let me see if I can think back through. So I mentioned Cal Newport. That's in regards to the phone. I actually even, in my most recent episode with Michael Hyatt, we talk about killing distractions and his uh, approach to how, how he did what I did with his phone. And that's a really interesting one. Let's see. I recently talked with Mike Sturm. We talk about all that, in, that productivity, efficiency, and effectiveness. So that's a good one. Who else did I mention? Do you remember who else I mentioned? I can't remember. Uh, Cal Newport, Michael Hyatt. Oh, Jamie Masters. That was the one about the nootropics. And we talk about time tracking. And, oh, we talk about absolute yes in that one as well. So you know how everybody's like, you know, you got to learn how to say no so you don't fill up your calendar and things like that. She goes at it from the opposite perspective where she's like, I'd love to say yes to everything, but only the things that I'm willing to say absolutely yes am I going to say yes to. So that's actually another great kind of reframing of how to say no to things and have to do with the has to do with opportunity costs. So Jamie Masters, that's another one that was pretty recent. And then uh, James Clear, the habits, the atomic habits, I should say his atomic habits book that came out late last year. Uh, I talked to him about that. And that essentially has to do with filling in the gaps of and, and looking at in a new light, the old adage of basically habitualizing things so that you don't have to lean in as much on like discipline or willpower because you've created that activity, that pattern, that consistency, that groove of making the right choices or enabling yourself to make the right choices easier. Perfect. 
Well, Eric, I'd like to hear about some of your favorite things now. If you could first give us a favorite quote. Uh, I don't know if I told you this one last time. Did you ask for quotes last time? I don't remember. I did. And I think it's kind of fun. If you reinforce, that's cool. If you have a new one, that's cool, too. This is so self-centered of me to say this. My favorite quote is my own quote. It's uh, (laughs) good ideas come from many ideas. Yeah, I like it. And how about a favorite study or experiment or bit of research? So actually, I'll point back to the study, the stuff that uh, came out of, uh, what's his name? James Clear, the habit book. There's a lot of science in the book that reinforces the different ways of of habitualizing. I'm going to have to claim that because he doesn't come at it as a book writer or a business book writer. He comes at it as, hey, I have all this research. How do I formulate this into something that people can get something out of it because they need to know this? Yeah. So it really is a study in book form. That's cool. And how about a favorite tool? Uh, so I've probably mentioned some of those, but again, my one of my favorites is the, the go back to brain.fm. One of the other ones is actually, this one's called otter. Oh, for the transcription. AI, the transcription. Yeah, yeah, I love, I love, love, love that. So being able to upload audio files into there and they can t- transcribe it or just being able to like turn it on again on my iPad or my phone and uh, have it record and then send it to the cloud and it'll trans- start transcribing for me is also pretty cool. And is there a particular nugget you share that really seems to connect and resonate with folks? You you hear them say it back to you often? Oh, that's interesting. I think it comes down to me giving them permission to not get everything done. (laughs) (laughs) They need an authority figure like yourself, too. (laughs) You know, you can get it done. Move it to tomorrow. It's fine. As long as you as long as you're not dropping the ball, you know, or dropping balls like it's fine. It's a matter of which one, you know, again, you can't get everything done. Not all the time, not at every moment. You're always, I'm like, right now I'm talking to you. I'm not doing other things, but I'm hopefully executing well on the thing I'm doing and choosing to do right now. And if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? Yeah, perfect. Uh, It'd be beyondthetodolist.com. All right. And a final challenge or call to action for those seeking to be awesome at their jobs? I'm going to point people back to where we started and just say, how much time can you go without your phone? That's my challenge. Beautiful. Well, Eric, this has been a treat. Thanks for for sharing the good word. I wish you lots of luck with your show, Beyond the To-Do List, and your many other adventures. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I really love this conversation from Eric in terms of getting super tactical brain.fm, alpha brain, as well as more principled in terms of really think about what are the distinctions between productivity and efficiency and effectiveness and why does that matter? Not just from like a word fun smithing perspective, but really, you know, what are we, we measuring here and is it the right thing? And do we need to kind of shift our lens of focus a bit? to get after what we want. Now, it's funny with the alpha brain, you know, I've heard of nootropics and I've thought about doing a show on them and and I uh, may or may not, but I appreciated that uh, Eric said he was digging it. And I appreciated that Michael Hyatt is digging it. And so I I did a little bit of research. I mean, I ordered a free trial. We'll see what happens. And I also recommend a a couple things as you're investigating that world. I want to be safe always. Uh, My wife is super into safety. That's her thing. It's it's rubbing off on me more and more. Uh, But um, 
a couple things. I, I looked at Reddit and people were saying, oh, it works for me. It doesn't work for me. Kind of a similar story. And, and some of them were saying, hey, look at the active ingredients and look at the research behind them. And you might discover you can kind of get the best of the formulation uh, more cost effectively by snagging the ingredients. So uh, one of my favorite tools for examining such things is examine.com. It is uh, replete with clinical studies on vitamins, supplements, and stuff in a very easy to access format. So you can see what do the data reveal and the consequences of stuff. So check it out, examine.com. I've discovered some pretty cool supplements myself that have great science behind them, such as Rhodiola rosea. Never know if I'm pronouncing that right, but it's a nice natural way to uh, bring down some stress levels. Fun fact. Uh, and there's great research behind it, and it's it's good and safe. So cool insights to be gleaned from examine.com. We'll probably have their founder on one of these days. But again, the show notes, the transcript, the links to items we've referenced are at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F461. And by the way, you can kind of use your podcast app directly to look at the show description or notes and tap it right in there. So that could be even faster than visiting awesomeatyourjob.com slash F461. And if you haven't already, I hope you'll push subscribe. You'll catch our next guest. And that next guest is Pam McLean. She is talking about how to engage in good coaching that builds up others. Until next time, peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers, subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.